Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hi, friends. This is Mandy with Tropical Forge. And this is Missy with Homesteading Roots. So we just finished up our series on food preservation. We touched briefly on five different types of food preservation. So if you're interested in canning or freeze drying or dehydrating or any of those things, check out those uh, podcasts in that series. They're also on my blog at chapelhillforge.com. So you can learn about all those things. Reach out to us with your questions as always. So our next series is going to be on homeschooling and unschooling. So if you follow Missy and I at all on Facebook um, or Instagram, you know that we both homeschool. Um, Missy has a mixture, which we're going to talk about that, Um, and that we both have, uh, gosh, I guess I've been homeschooling for eight years and Missy probably about the same just kind of off and on depending on who was where um so today we're just going to kind of introduce our children um not actually have them on the podcast but introduce the kids and just kind of talk about like what their personalities are um what their learning styles are what their history with school is um and kind of just help you get to know them And hopefully our goal is that maybe one of our kids is sort of like one of your kids and that you can just sort of feel like you're not alone in this journey. I know homeschooling, especially unschooling, can feel very isolating because, you know, you're just not in mainstream and it's a system that we've opted out of and that can always feel isolating if you don't have a community of people that, um, you know, do the same things that you're doing. So, Miss, why don't we talk about we'll just go in age order I guess so we'll talk about Madison first so Missy has five kids we have three kids um and I feel like it's always worth mentioning Missy has two in heaven and I have two in heaven um so we another thing that you just don't have to feel isolated about you're not the only one out there with kids not here on earth and we'll probably touch on that in a podcast somewhere down the road so nonetheless let's start with Madison Madison is 19 right yes yeah Madison's 19 so we'll talk about her first Okay. You'll have to bear with me. I am out in our sunroom. It's about 95 degrees out here. There's bombs being blown up in the background with the (laughs) Air Force base doing their practice. And I'm still dealing with the lingering effects of this virus. So if I clear my throat and sound all snotty, that's why. Um, Yeah, we're being good sharers and we're passing it around the family Mm -hmm. slowly. So everybody's, you know, having their moment. My husband, Jeremy, right now is having his moment with it and hopefully it'll be gone soon. But okay, so bear with me. All right. So Madison is now 19. Um, She was in public school. We started in Pennsylvania. Then we had moved to Alabama. She was there for a couple years. We moved back to Pennsylvania And, um, in her elementary years, it was fine. Um, she, you know, was right on pace where she needed to be. Madison always dealt with symptoms of, um, ADD, ADHD. And when she was younger, she was medicated for it. And we had a hard time funding the right medication. And then we didn't like the medication and tried to do things, you know, more natural. And the poor kid, um, just had a hard time finding her place, in society um when she got to middle school 
she started having issues. Um, I guess you could consider it like body image issues where, you know, in middle school you go through puberty and you start getting boobs and you start being interested in people. Well, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but guys are just different. Like when guys go through puberty, their way of trying to get a girl's attention is to make fun of them and pick on them and, not treat them the way you would think that someone would treat someone if they cared about them. So we started experiencing that kind of stuff. It was also during the time where they were rolling out the laptops for the kids to start using for their schoolwork instead of the books. And they were having um, social media was available for them on their laptops. And we kind of were, we might've been a little behind the times on that. Like my kids didn't have, she didn't have Facebook or any of that at the time. And it was all a new thing for us where they had private messages and all this stuff rolling around. So it started with Madison getting, I guess you could say sexual. I don't even know if that's like the right term at that age, but messages about, you know, her body and just some odd things. And I brought it to the school's attention and they at first weren't too concerned So I tried not to be concerned, but then it led into Madison having like questioning, you know, herself and having suicidal tendencies. And we had found that like she had made a plan to commit suicide and like it was this really this big mental thing that we were dealing with. And um, I was trying to keep her. She wanted to be in public school. So I was trying to keep her there and do the right thing and she one day was sitting in math class and I get this phone call from the principal, just all nonchalant, like, Hey, Madison was in math class. And one of the boys that sit behind her cut a big chunk of hair and you know, nothing more, no like explanation, no sympathy, no, I don't know why this happened kind of thing. And I'm sitting there like, you've got to be kidding me. And I you know, went to the school and I was like, look, this is not cool. This is not the way that school should be. I need some help here. Talked to her guidance counselor and they were like, well, you know, Maddie sends messages back and forth too. And she's not so innocent, which I get. And I wasn't, you know, saying that she was innocent, but these messages, I couldn't even believe they were like talking about games what was it something about taking someone to the closet or I don't even remember this was prior to my brain injury and so this all this is kind of like hard for me to remember for another day so I don't even know um I decide I asked her it's always been an option for my kids I've never forced my kids to be homeschooled I would love for them all to be homeschooled throughout the whole thing but I've never forced them I've always given them an option especially when it came to like middle school I'm like, do you feel comfortable here? Do you want to stay here? No, she was, nope, she wanted out. So I'm like, okay, that's all I needed. So we went down to the office. I did whatever I had to to withdraw her and we were out. And with her, we started, you know, doing curriculum, um, which wasn't the best fit for her and I working together. Um, So then we had had, oil and water to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So we had switched to unschooling um, with her. But um, yeah, so with her, it was more, I don't even, I don't know. It was like trying to find her place. Middle school is such a weird age. So it was like her trying to find her 
place with her friends and you know now being intermixed with these boys and now social media is involved and instant messages that they thought were private that aren't private and it was such it was so ridiculous excuse me that they at first were treating Madison like the problem like when the boys cut her hair they were like trying to make excuses for well maybe she should have had her hair in a ponytail or maybe she should keep her hair shorter her hair was like down to like the middle of her back it wasn't like dragging on the ground as she walked or anything so like their excuses were kind of ridiculous and like that's where I first realized okay are they in this for my child you know for the the best learning experience that she could get or what's happening you know it was just I was in like a lost state I felt defeated I felt lost I felt sad for her so we had with her it was very trying times um and then she had ended up going back trying to think that was in eighth grade seventh good grief um because I just thought about this I met you like literally right after the haircutting incident happened because okay guys this is how small the world is so um we knew just to give a little backstory we knew jeremy through the wildfire crew so zad has known jeremy for i don't know 10 or 15 years probably Mm -hmm. i don't even know um and then i met jeremy probably uh 10 years ago through the wildfire crew because I was on the crew for a little while when Zad and I started dating. And then Zad was a state constable and Missy worked in the judge's office. So Zad and Missy saw each other pretty often because he ran warrants out of that office a lot. Um, and I sort of met Missy because Zad, I was starting to dabble in homeschooling and Missy had all these questions for Zad because they had just, you know, talked about the kids and whatever. And dad connected me with missy and then i think our this is so nerdy our first conversation was like literally about textbooks or something it was so dumb Uh, (laughs) um but yeah so i'm thinking like we met you guys we meaning like me and bud um Mm -hmm. met you guys like right after because i remember the haircutting incident and then having the conversation about homeschooling and i just you know i had been removed from public school to any degree at that point since I graduated and I just couldn't even believe that like any of this was going down in the school like whatever I'm not we're not dissing public school I enjoyed public school and it was all fine but for Madison's situation handled so poorly yeah and she might have been 10 back and then she had finished and graduated um, through the public schools, I feel like it was just a really weird time. You know, that age, you're kind of lost in the world to begin with. You don't know where you belong, who you belong with, you know, and then all this other stuff being thrown into the mix just doesn't help. But um, yeah, she did. She did go back to public school then and she finished. She went to Votech for um, vet vet tech, I think it was. And then she graduated and she's doing her own thing now. Yeah. Yeah. So Madison, oh, poor, you're right, poor Madison. She's just like, she had quite the array of right. experiences, which is not bad. I mean, Madison is a very resilient child. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really not a whole lot that gets thrown at her that she doesn't throw right back. Right, exactly. So, yeah. So that's Madison. So she'd be the oldest of our bunch. And then Mason would be next. And whew, sit down and buckle up for Mason's <laughs> story. 
Okay, so Mason is now 15. Um, he is in, we're going to be going into 11th grade. So when Mason was five, he was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And for those of you that don't really know much about that, it's just inflammation of different joints and areas of the body. He had it in his TMJ jaw and his spine, the worst, and then in his fingers. Um, so he had issues with writing and, you know, carrying backpacks, lifting heavy things. Um, it took us a long time to get him on the right medication that was working for him. Um, so our first incident with school issues was in fifth grade. We had been, I don't even know, doing stuff in the garden in the morning, whatever. He goes to school, sweetest kid, has never been in trouble, you know, never said a bad word to anyone or about anyone. I get this call from the principal and they're like, you're going to have to come pick up Mason. He had a pocket knife. I have it disassembled in the office, but you need to come get him. He's suspended for three days out of school suspension. Well, this was like a shock because like I said, the kid has never said a crossword, never been in trouble. He's just one of those kids that just stays quiet in class so that, you know, he's not made excuse me good grief he's not (coughs) goodness i know me too (laughs) oh yuck so that you know he's not attention's not drawn to him or whatever so i was like shaking as i'm driving to the school like what happened you know why does he have this pocket knife he should have known better you know whatever so i get to the school and of course they're approaching me like he's some sort of criminal they had him in this room you know by himself they had the pocket knife in a separate room with the principal and it was completely taken apart like every piece was taken apart and he hands me this bag And he says, you're going to have to take him off school property and keep him off school property for three days. And I'm like, okay. And like, that was basically it. Like, I felt like I was marching my prisoner out to, you know, his release from jail out to the car. And we were going on about ourselves. And I just felt really alone because, you know, they didn't explain anything more to me. They didn't reassure me that he's a good kid. And this, you know, is just an odd thing that happened. You were with time, right? What was that? What'd you say? Just started dating Jeremy at the time. Yes. Just started dating Jeremy at the time. Yeah. Yes. So there was that too. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is he going to think that I have like this wild child that takes guns and knives to school and you know, whatever. But he was very understanding and definitely was meant to be in our lives. (laughs) Um, So on the way we're like what happened you know why did you have the knife in your pocket you know you know that that kind of stuff is allowed in schools well he totally knew it because he had the knife in his pocket he didn't once take the knife out of his pocket what he did is he said to his little friend when he realized he was like i have a pocket knife in my pocket you know i was doing whatever in the garden this morning and i put it take it out and that was the end of it well friend which whatever she did the right thing you know especially nowadays good grief um she went to the teacher and was like mason has a a pocket knife in his pocket and you know she called mason up and she's like do you have a knife in your pocket and he's like yeah and she's like okay you need to go to the office so they you know sent him to the office well the poor kid never being in trouble before thinks that he's committed some huge crime and like he's just hysterical and beside himself so we just took the time you know to explain to him you did the right thing, but you probably should have like, look, I was doing this and this and this before school. I slipped my pocket knife in my pocket. It's still in my pocket. You know, what do I need to do? But it, in fifth grade, who's going to do that? 
So he was upset because, you know, he caused all this ruckus and whatever, but we did our three day suspension and then he went back after that. And even going back after that, him trying to fit back into, you know, normal school days was odd because he felt like an outcast. He felt like a criminal. They treated him like a criminal. So that was his first negative ness of public school um and then we got into gosh okay so sixth grade was when his arthritis really started taking a toll on him um he was having issues like i said carrying like books in his backpack and you remember in middle school you had like this huge backpack that weighed more than you did you know carrying around your binders and being responsible for all of that stuff well like i said his arthritis was in his spine So he was having issues carrying around, you know, his, all of his books. So I went to the school and I said, you know, is there something we can do? Can he leave some books here? Can he, well, no, no, they just weren't, you know, wanting to make any accommodations. So I went to his doctor and I was like, look, you know, he's having issues with school with carrying all these books. You know, is there something you can help me with? And he's like, well, why don't we make a 504 plan? You know, and for those of you who don't know, 504 plans are for children with medical issues that need special accommodations or services in school and an IEP is non-medical that would be you know for other issues that that, like learning disabilities and that kind of stuff so he's like why don't we write up a 504 then they have to follow the 504 you know they're required by law and I'm like okay I don't know anything about this okay sure I'll take your your lead so he started writing up things and you know I mean he's like you're not going to want to be like, oh, he can't carry four books. He can only carry three. He's like, you're going to want to put in this 504 that he's not to carry any books because they're going to try to, you know, push. So, you know, he put in there, he's not to be carrying any books to and from school. His books are supposed to stay there. Like the school's supposed to provide extra books that we can have at home and keep at home so that he could do his work. Um, what else was it? He wasn't allowed to like run the mile. Um, there's gosh, some other things I can't really, oh, and he couldn't do like any strength trainings as far as like pull-ups, handstands, push-ups, that kind of stuff in gym. The, the V sit and reach was out. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, all of that. And it was stuff I didn't even really think of or would have thought of to put in a 504 for him. So that was nice. And his doctor really helped us through that. So we started with that. I met with and the guidance counselor and some of his teachers and we went over it and talked about it and they were very understanding and I felt really good about it um well here I come to find out he was running the mile the one day and uh, like lost his breath and was having all this pain and questioned them I said um hello his 504 specifically states that he is not to run the like, they're supposed to find other things for them to do. So they're not just, like, standing there watching all of their other friends be normal and run the mile. And, you know, there's supposed to be other things for them to do. Well, they weren't doing that. And he was running the mile. And so this caused this big, you know, like, whoa, okay, are we following any of these things? Um, I had contacted the school and asked for copies of the books. And they said, well, we no longer have the books because everything's on, you know, starting to be on the laptops and, the books that we have, they have to tow back and forth. Like we have, you know, a select few of them. We don't have extras that we can hand out. So now I'm like back to square one. So I go back to his doctor and I'm like, look, they're not following through on any of this. Like, what do I do now? And he's like, well, I'll rewrite the 504. We'll submit it, you know, and then if they still don't, 
come back and let me know. So I'm like, okay. So we rewrote 504, had a new meeting, you know, um, and during this, Mason was in the midst of switching from injections at to transfusions at Children's Hospital once a month. Like it took an entire day for him to get his medicines. So <clears throat> he was beginning to miss more school. The medication that he was getting was a chemotherapy medication. So it was causing him to get, you know, illnesses, whatever kids pass around school. It was also causing him to, ha- to lose his hair. So then now we started with the, I hate this word, but the bullying and kids were wondering and asking him, do you have cancer? And don't get near Mason. He's cancer. You'll get cancer because his hair was falling out. And in middle school, like I said, with Madison, you know, this is a time where they're like trying to find themselves. Where do they fit in? You know, where do they belong? And this was really affecting his well-being. So I decided to pull him from public school then. And that way, you know, because when he would have his infusions, he would miss an entire day of school. And then, like, usually the next day, he was either sick or he was tired, so he'd miss that day. He'd go back to school for, like, a day or two, and then he'd, like, have fatigue. He'd have to come home early or whatever. It was just he could never get, like, in a normal it was schedule just like of going chemo. to school. I mean, right. It's just like when people have chemo. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. And then he'd, he'd have stomach issues where his stomach would be upset, and it was just causing so much grief with being having school to play into it. So I decided to pull him. We did... Um, homeschooling for seventh I pulled him in seventh so eighth ninth he went back to public school here in Florida for 10th and then he'll probably finish out Mason is a very much a social butterfly and don't know where he came from (laughs) no I don't I don't I really don't but um he he thrives on the friendships and being accepted and Mason's the funny guy of you know the friend groups and I, I don't know. So he really did struggle with school. I'm glad that I pulled him out, but I don't feel like it was a good fit for him to be out because he missed that social aspect of it. Um, he made the decision on his own to when we moved here, which who he's more of a man than I could ever be <laughs> because, you know, moving to a new area and then going to a new high school in 10th grade when most of the people that are there have already been there a year and have made friends. And I could never have done that. Um, so he started 10th grade here, loved it. Um, and then he'll pro he'll probably continue out on, you know, public school to the end, which I'm okay with, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't force my kids to homeschool. I would love my kids to homeschool, but I don't force it. So, um, well, and I think the, a big struggle with Mason when you were here and he was going to Penn Manor was, and uh, like not blaming Mason. He just, you know, if there was something that went down at school or there was like a subject he didn't like, well, can you homeschool me now? So then for Missy, it was like, okay, are we going back and forth and back and forth and back? And it's exhausting. You know, there's some paper. It's not a huge deal, but you have to file paperwork and like all this. And, you know, that was always a struggle. Right. Yeah. And then I always had to think, okay, is he just having a bad day and he wants to be pulled just because of a bad day? Well, I can't be there for that throughout his life. Like he's going to have to learn to, you know, everyone has bad days and this is how we get over it and move on. Um, so there was that. But then also too, Mason is, has high hopes for the future. Like he, I'm singing that song in my head right now. Um, <laughs> and he wants to be a neurosurgeon or he wants to be a, um, does he say cardiothoracic uh, yes cardiothoracic surgeon and I'm like oh my this is beyond my little unschooling 
brain can like handle. So, you know, we had the talk with his guidance counselor when we moved here and like, this is what he would need to do to be able to like get into college. And, and arithmetic is not Mason's strong point. He tries his best. He does his best, but like math is just something he struggles with. And to be a doctor, you have to be really good in math. So we've been dealing with that and I don't, crush his little dreams I try to support you know whatever and help him where I can and I guess we're just gonna ride out with what you know uh classes that his guidance counselor feels he needs to be college bound and see where it goes from there um a lot of it too is made like I said Mason's very social he'd rather have a social life than have to worry about homework and schoolwork and you know, so I have to remind him that all of that goes hand in hand. And if you really want this big future coming up, then you need to like focus a little more on schooling and not so much social life, homework done and do what you're supposed to do. But, you know, he's 15, so mom doesn't know anything. Right. Um, so stay tuned for Mason. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. It's ever evolving. Um, okay, so next kid would be Vanessa, which I guess there's not a whole lot to talk about with Vanessa, but you could touch on Vanessa. Yeah, so Vanessa um, is Jeremy's daughter to his first marriage, and uh, she mainly lives with her mom, and she has been public school from the get-go, um, and will probably just be public school until she graduates, and that's what works for them, and that's fine. Virtual a little bit during COVID. Oh yeah, right. I did forget yeah. that she did, and she did not enjoy that um, as much. Um, yeah, she's she's easily distracted, you know. Which whatever, aren't we all? And um, you know, she did her grades did flounder, you know, when when she had to do that, and she just she enjoyed being more in the classroom, which is fine. I mean, every child is different. Right. Right. Okay. So then, next kid would be Bud. So Bud is twelve. Um, when we so with my first marriage my husband and his two sisters were homeschooled and when i first found out they were homeschooled i was like oh homeschool kids are kind of weird um and so i was you know rob and i that's bud's dad we had this conversation about bud being homeschooled and i was like yeah no we're not doing that like homeschool kids are we're not we're not gonna go down that road um of course bud was like a baby at the time so i didn't know anything um so then we get to you know rob and i split up when bud was nine months old um we were divorced by the time he was like I don't know, two or three i drug that on forever um and then oh, good god Ugh. um i wish i could go back and talk to my my little first married self um <clears throat> so when bud was two so i started working full-time when he was one um and then when he was two i put him in a church preschool um and it was fine it was great they had a two-year-old class a three-year-old class and a four-year-old class we did the two and three-year-old class and then when he was four I was kind of like something's different about his learning like he's not he he's definitely he's not like me so I am very much like give me all the books let me soak it all in Bud learns way differently than I do he's probably got dyslexia which his dad has um I don't really know if that's hereditary or not, but he definitely has it. Um, so when he was four, we decided my mom was watching him during the day while I was at work. And we decided, let's try to do like some curriculum at home and see where it goes. So we started with a curriculum called My Father's World. Um, and it was OK. I mean, looking back, I can't even believe I did like half the things in it because it's so stringent. Like 
you have to do this and there's 180 days of work and you must complete and cross off all the boxes. And that's just so not my schooling uh, personality at all. Um, so we did that for a year. I think we mostly finished it. Um, and then I was like, this is just not really driving for me. So when he was five, um, so at that time in Pennsylvania, compulsory age was eight. It's now six. Um, so I didn't have to register Bud for school until he was eight, which by that time was third grade. Um, so when he was five, we just kind of decided we, me, my mom and I, I don't know, uh, just kind of decided that we were just going to like do a brain quest book, which is like kind of, it's, you can get them on Amazon. They're like 12 bucks. They're just these books that have like all the subjects. So there's math, reading, writing, science, history, geography, all that stuff. So we started kind of working through that. And then my mom is, she went to school for a little while to do, um, early childhood education. So, and she's very crafty. So she was always doing things with Bud. Like they were always going on little field trips, riding the train, going to museums, um, they would do like little worksheets. She'd always have holiday stuff. They're always baking something. Like if you know my mom, like that's so her and she does all <laughs> things, um, which was great. And Bud loved it. Like he loved going to my mom's every day. There, it was, she very much had a routine. Like we would get there and they would have breakfast and she would like, you know, brush his hair and he'd brush his teeth and then like watch a show together and then they'd make something and then they'd play outside and like, whatever. They just very much had this routine. Um, and it was great. And he loved it. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, while I hated working full time being away from him, he was literally at like the best place he could have been at that age when I had to be working. Um, so, but we did that for a while and then he got to be like six and seven. I came home from working full time when he was seven, I believe. I think I've been home for five years now or almost five years. So by that point, you know, him and I, we had a desk in his room and our house is one big room. So um, like we have a loft with our bedrooms and he had a desk in there and we would sit up there for like two hours every day. We had no other kids at the time. So we would sit up there for two hours and there would be like tears and like not anger. He was just frustrated. Like he did writing was just not his thing. You know, he's still to this day, he's 12 and he still makes his letters backwards um, and numbers backwards. And we would just sit there and like, I feel like I was calm about it most of the time, but then I would just get to the point where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, why are you not understanding this? Like we just talked about it. And so eventually I'm slowly realizing like, okay, this kid is just not going to learn traditionally. He's not going to learn from books. He's not going to learn from doing worksheets. Rote memorization is not going to be his thing. You know, we just, you know, we started trying to learn multiplication tables, for instance, and we got through zeros and ones and then we were stuck. We could not, no, no big Lego at Target was going to convince him to try to memorize these multiplication tables. <laughs> so, yeah. So we we just kind of moved past that. And I was like, there has to be a better way. So I kind of just like stepped back and I was like, why don't I just let Bud try to learn? Like we, I sort of just like let him do his thing, see where he gravitates to, where does he learn? What does he take up his time with? You know, when he's not doing chores or helping us or whatever, what's he doing in his time? And the things that excite him are Legos and painting and, um, you know, playing outside, riding his bike, you know, these are the things that excite Bud. And I was like, okay, well, there's learning in this. Like we're learning while we're doing Legos. We're learning while we're painting. He still loved doing field trips and going and doing things like that. So 
that's kind of when we started unschooling with Bud. I would say he was probably seven-ish. Um, and that's when we really just sort of, we didn't follow a curriculum. And at the time I didn't really know anybody that was, I'm not saying I like pioneered this. I just didn't know anyone personally that was unschooling. And, um, you know, let's see. So I've known Missy since 2016. Um, and probably when I met you was when I was like, okay, I can have some confidence here. Like I'm not the only person who has kids that like, don't fit in the box. Um, which was amazing because, you know, I, I love all my friends that have kids that are in public school or whatever, but I just can't relate to that lifestyle anymore. Like, okay. Yeah. They come home, they do homework until bedtime. They go to bed during the school year, you know, and, and you like barely see them. And that was me. I mean, when I was in public school, I was in every band in existence um i played throughout the years i probably played five or six different sports i almost always played three seasons of sports and i was in marching band jazz band brass ensemble concert band you know i played tennis field hockey softball basketball um you all should see my shocked face (laughs) right i did all the things i was in a service club um on top of that, once I was 16, I mean, I was working three jobs. So I was never, I mean, I would come home and I didn't take like the easy classes. Like I took AP history and calculus and all of this stuff. I know I can see your surprise face as mm-hmm. I can talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I thrived on that. My mom would come before I was driving, you know, or my dad, whatever, come pick me up from whatever sport. And there were like, I believe it was Mondays and Wednesdays. We had marching band practice. So in the fall, I would go to school all day, get up at six o'clock or whatever, go to school all day, do all these classes. I was a straight A student. I think I was like 11th or 12th in my class. Um, And like I thrived on, I needed a 4.3 GPA, like 4.0 was not good enough. Um, And so I would go to school all day, you know, 2.36, I think was when school ended. And I'd have about 20 minutes to get to my sports practice, which at the time, I guess, in high school, I was playing tennis. So I would play, I would do tennis practice from three to five. And then marching band practice was from six to nine. So mom would come to the school, bring me dinner, bring my change of clothes. I would change, eat dinner, maybe squeeze in some homework. And then I would have marching band practice from six to nine. And then my mom would come and pick me up. I'd come home and I easily had three, four, five hours worth of homework. So I would be doing my homework, eating, you know, having a snack at my desk or whatever in my room. And I would be doing homework until like midnight. And then I would sleep for six hours and get up and do it all over again. And then on the weekends I had, I was working. So I had an internship at the newspaper that I was doing the nights I wasn't at marching band practice. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, I worked at a grocery store. I worked at a go-kart track. Like I was always I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm continuing to shock you, Missy. Um, mm-hmm. I never sat still. I was literally moving from the time my feet hit the floor until I like died in bed. Um, so, and that lifestyle has continued on with me now. And I definitely never sit still. Mm-hmm. No, that is not Bud. Um, Bud is not that kind of child. Um, he would play Legos all day long, of course, or he'd play water balloons outside all day or swim all day or whatever, but he is just not, he is not like me at all. So anyway, we've now been um, unschooling for 
six, five, six ish years. Um, and we, we don't have a curriculum. You know, people ask me all the time, what curriculum are you using? I'm like, I'm not using a curriculum. And they look at me like I have 16 heads. Like, aren't you failing your child? Um, and I would say, no, I'm not failing my child because he has a thriving business and has since he was seven. Um, you know, he's got his Roth IRA, which his business money goes into. And he at times probably has more money than I do. Um, you know, so he's killing it in that regard. And the, the whole theory behind us helping him start his business was he would start integrating into math, you know, sitting down and doing math, as I said, for him was just not going to happen. But having a business, he's filing taxes, he's been filing taxes for five years now, four or five years now, he's been filing taxes, paying self employment tax, tracking his income and expenses, you know, and these are invaluable life lessons that he's learning. As far as on the homestead, you know, he could, when I'm sick or I'm pregnant or like whatever, I'm recovering postpartum, you know, Buzz right there. He is taking care of the animals. He knows, he doesn't love milking the goat, but he knows how to milk the goat. He knows how to take care of all the birds. Um, you know, he can go out and take care of the garden for me if that's what I need. He can can, you know, if there's a harvest coming in, I've now had two babies over summer where I've had to have them help because summer's booming and he can can for me and maybe not pressure can, but he can water bath can. Um, he can use the freeze dryer. He can use the dehydrator. You know, if I had to like drop him off in the middle of somewhere and ask him to survive, I have no doubt that he would be fine. Um, so he's just learning in so many other ways. He also is really into YouTube. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes like, oh, your kid's sitting in front of the TV all the time. And to that, I would say, screw you because... <laughs> I love YouTube. Missy and I learn from YouTube all the time. Yeah. All, um, probably half of the things that we know we learn from YouTube um, or Abundance Plus. Um, so, right. So nonetheless, you know, Bud learns all kinds of things. He just put a YouTube video out himself on his YouTube channel about his top five favorite YouTubers. And his favorite YouTubers are scientists. And, you know, there's a, a channel called Simple History where he learns about history. He loves war history and learning about boats and jets and things like that. Um, so he's learning all kinds of things from that. So I would, and we'll continue to talk about this in the series, but man, I encourage you to, if your kid does not fit in the box, doesn't want to fit in the box you don't want them to fit in the box and like missy said you definitely need to have your child actively involved in this conversation you know of course if there's a safety issue whatever that's different um but if your kid is adamant about not going to public school and you can figure out how to make them not have to go to public school i would encourage you to figure out how to make that happen because your kid can thrive in the right environment um, you know, like Missy said, Mason thrives being a social butterfly and maybe he's not going to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Maybe he's going to, uh, who knows, he's going to find something where he can be super social, be super involved with people. Um, you know, he likes, I would say he kind of likes being the center of attention. Yeah. He, he might not admit that he likes that, but I feel like he probably does. Um, right. and he'll find something where he thrives in that kind of environment. Right. Um, and so I feel like that's what's important in this whole conversation. What's important is figure out where your kids' strengths are and help them feed those strengths instead of trying to fight their weaknesses. Because Bud and I did that for like a year and it was miserable. We hated it. When I said, Bud, it's time to do school, you know, we were both just like, ugh, I don't want to do this. Um, so that's where Bud is currently with his schooling. As far as his future aspirations, um, he wants to run his business. He has this dream of owning this 100-acre farm, and he wants to do 
I guess wheat and rye and who wants to do grains? Who wants to be a grain farmer? Um, so he, he has, he has that on his plate. He would like to maybe have, uh, stores, but he's kind of waiting to see our stores even going to still be a thing when he's an adult. Who knows? Um, we might just all be ordering everything online at that point. So we'll see where, where Bud lands. Um, so next kid in order would be Jared. Yes. So Jared is 10. He is in, uh, he'll be going into fifth grade. Um, technically I don't really with him even keep grades. Um, yeah. Um, I think Mandy and I pretty much the unschooling thing pretty much did that together and made like the decision that we were going to attempt this. Um, we would do Tuesdays, we'd go over to Mandy's house and like she said, her mom would plan little like crafts and, she did like safety with them, health and safety, and um, just a bunch of stuff. The kids loved it. Every Tuesday we'd go over, <laughs> we'd have office time. Um, mm. They would have uh, school time with Momo, and it was just the best thing ever. And um, Jared really flourished through that. And I see Jared has never gone to public school. Jared has been homeschooled from the beginning. So he really flourished with like the crafts and, you know, hands on things and, so we did that in the beginning. Um, let me tell you when I say I bought every available <laughs> to man <laughs> and and have tried every curriculum. So if you have a question about any sort of curriculum, I'm your girl. Um, or, or organizing school. Like you have organized school in every facet. I can, pot- you know, you had the little yeah. file system with each kid. Oh, my God. What a mess that was. Oh, my God. Yeah. 180 <laughs> folders per kid. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've I've done it all. So if you have questions about that, I'm your girl. Um, so the the unschooling and um, like the kids loved it. Like they built a shed with Jeremy in the yard, and you know we just did whatever. In Washington Borough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. So with Jared, that's what we did. We started un- unschooling. Then I got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, am I enough for him? He doesn't seem to be like catching on, um, you know, math is not his strong thing. Writing is not his strong thing. Reading actually was very easy for him to pick up. And he read like early on um, and has continued to read. So that was like one of his strong points. He doesn't find enjoyment in it, but he can do it. And it's, you know, something that um, he was good at at the time. So I was like, you know, this curriculum, I've tried everything. Like, what am I doing wrong? Is it me? Is it him? You know, and then Mandy and I started talking the unschooling and I thought, you know what, maybe this is okay. Like, maybe this is what Jared needs. He doesn't need such structure and such demanding requests from me. And, you know, like Mandy said, I was getting frustrated and then he knew that I was getting frustrated. So he would get frustrated and then he'd get like embarrassed if he couldn't answer a question and then he'd just get really quiet and kind of shut down and Jared's the type of person who he has the the personality of I'm I'm just gonna stay back I'm gonna be quiet I don't want to make noise so that people know who I am and know that I'm here I'm just gonna kind of you know morph into somebody else and not have to answer questions even to this day, if you ask him a question, he mumbles like really quiet. And I'm like, what did you say? And then he has to say it again. I'm like, can you speak louder? But like, that's just Jared. Like, he's very meek. He's afraid to be wrong. He doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. You know, he would never say anything to like upset someone. That's just the way he is. But when it comes to schooling and learning, 
that's frustrating because like I ask you a question what's two plus two and I want you to say four Jared will like look at me and he'll look around and like see if anybody's looking and then he'll like put his head down and be like four and I'm like okay whatever like it totally was not working for us doing book curriculum um I tried ABC mouse um gosh there was a there was a couple I'd have to really sit down and think um I don't know anyway so eventually we did the unschooling and we just kind of let him guide and learn as he did things helping us in the garden you know building shed doing whatever he would help cook he loves to cook and bake and all of that um, so like Mandy said, you know, there's learning in all of that, you know, I, it's hard to show someone who's so used to sending their kid to public school to learn. Ooh. It's so hard to show them that everything a child does, they're learning, like getting up in the morning and thinking about what they have to do, their next step, the next step, <laughs> you know, think through, like, that's all learning and like consequences. And if I do this this way, this is going to happen. Or if I do it that way, then it'll happen this way. You know, everything is a learning experience for kids. Um, we have gotten to the point now where I felt like Jared needed a little bit of book work, so to say. So somebody had suggested um, the good and the beautiful. And I'm like, here we go. That's the one curriculum I haven't bought yet. Nah. So... I went on and I actually took the time to like watch YouTube videos and I watched like where the good and the beautiful's foundation was and like what their, their goal in teaching kids. And I really felt like, okay, I feel like this is, they're talking to us. Um, they explain that you don't have to go in curriculum for every single subject, like their curriculum, their language art covers art, it covers, you know, English, it covers pretty much have every and I really looked into it and you know I am not the type anymore I guess with five kids and getting older I've kind of like gotten away from this where I want to have time to you know I want it to be done for me I want book I want to pull out the little box that goes with this subject and I want everything to be there I don't have time to prep and sit there and write out and we're going to do this on this day and this on this day and it never works for me like I could that's why I don't have a schedule with my family because it never worked you know like something so we've started doing the good and the beautiful and Jared loves it there are times things get tough in it when I can see him getting frustrated way and I find a different way to either you know, approach that type of problem with him or, you know what, just pass it. You know, if he comes across it again, understand it a little better, but I don't, I, like, one day, one day, like Mandy said, we would both, when it was time to do what anyone wants out of schooling, because good grief, you don't get a break from it. Like, you know, school and then you get a break from it. No, like we're with each other 24 cents. So we've been doing the good and the beautiful now for a year. And I'm not dead set on a schedule. Like we kind of through the summer, I'll be like, okay, you know, you're kind of being today. Let's get your language art. Let's do, some. we'll do like two or three lessons in it and. Like, I don't have a set schedule. We do it as we can. He's, he is 
24-7. I'm constantly canning, cooking, baking, you know, all of that, which they help with. And it, it was a mindset. I did. I struggled with it because I was used to that. I was in public school my entire life. I hated school, but I was in it and I did the basics to get by and to get out, to get my diploma and figured, you know what, I'll just find whatever I enjoy in life and go from there. So it was a, it was a hard switch for me to be like, okay, this is okay. Like what he's doing is okay learning and learning the way he learns is okay. Um, Jared has a slow processing disorder, so it's a little tough to have like designated times. Like if you think that like, okay, this lesson will take us 30 minutes. Well, no, like with Jared, it's going to take an hour. That was frustrating for me too, because I would expect him to like sit down, do this, do that, do that, move on. Well, no, like this first step took way longer than expected. And that's okay. Like, that's just what we do now. Like, we get extra time to, you know, let it sink in. And um, he hates writing. So, like, I try to avoid that. You know, not that I don't have him do it. Every single paper he does, he writes his name and his date and, you know, that kind of stuff on it. So he does. But I don't make it a point to, like, make writing a curriculum because that's miserable for him. And if it's miserable for him, then it's miserable for everyone else in the house. So that's where we are with Jared. Um, so after Jared, we just have the three littles. So, um, Bean is three, Jamie is two, and Zuzu will be one next week, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so those three, I think the plan is obviously going to be homeschooling. I mean, unless one of them has some big pool to go to public school, which I highly doubt because they're really going to have no experience with public school. Mason will be out. Right. Um, you know, so they they really won't even know what public school is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we're not going to say, oh, no, you can't do that if one of them asks or whatever. Um, I just feel like, like Jessica at Three Rivers Homestead has talked about this before because people will say, oh, well, don't your kids ask to go to public school? And she's like, well, not really, because this is what they know. This is where they're comfortable. This is where they enjoy learning. And I feel like we're going to be there with our three littles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I, I think next week we will probably continue the unschooling conversation and just kind of talk about what are ways that you can dig into unschooling and how do you fit unschooling into whatever lifestyle you're in. Um, so tune in for that. And I hope that hearing about our, I mean, cause we have eight kids. Um, oh my gosh. Hearing <laughs> about our eight kids, um, helps you maybe just sort of feel like you're not alone that you know our our kids struggle with different things whether it's medical or mental or emotional or whatever and that you can find a way to help your kids enjoy learning even if they're facing adversities um, or you're facing adversities so um, that's what we have for you today we'll be back next thursday just to continue the unschooling conversation so if you have any questions about it until then let us know um you can always reach out to us via email chapelhillforge at gmail.com or homesteadingroots at gmail.com and let us know what questions you have so we hope you guys have a great day bye friends